Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen from New Orleans, you know, um, I'm not going to uh, recite for you all of the uh, misstatements <laughs> misstatements that have occurred in uh, our political campaign this week because uh, the, uh, main, the uh, mainstream media, I'll say it, uh, has sort of awoken, awakened to the task of doing that. But uh, there are a few things that I want to point out, and, and one right here at the top. First of all, I want to liberate a word from its sexist usage. Uh, casting your mind back a couple weeks, I want to point out that Rudy Giuliani at the Republican convention was shrill. Um, but he has been... Uh, denominating himself as a uh, fan and supporter of Donald Trump as the law and order candidate. So just just a little trip down the old memory hole. Mm, it's, it's cold in here to uh, remind you of Rudy Giuliani's record on law and order. He um, he took his former chauffeur. And named him New York police chief. Uh, the gentleman in question, Bernard Carrick, then pled guilty to two misdemeanors for receiving a $165,000 payment uh, in renova- uh, for renovations from a company accused of mob ties. He lobbied city officials to approve them anyway, the, that company. Carrick uh, then later was indicted on 16 counts for tax evasion, fraud, lying to federal investigators, and tampering with witnesses. You know, if I'm a witness, the one thing I don't want to be is tampered with. Uh, after Carrick was a police commissioner, not chief, sorry, uh, Giuliani hired him at a half a million dollar salary to be uh, worked for Giuliani's private security company, Giuliani Partners. And he, is, he accepted uh, responsibility for, uh, for his role, Giuliani's role, in uh, recommending Carrick to President Bush to be the nation's first homeland security secretary. I made a mistake in recommending Bernie Carrick to the president, Giuliani says. Giuliani. And, of course, most memorably, Carrick in 2001 used an apartment donated for 9-11 rescue workers as a love nest for his affair with publisher Judith Regan. So that's, 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 that, that's the kind of law and order Rudy Giuliani believes in. But now, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of law and order, not in that order... News of bad banks. For your listening pleasure. Bad bank. One of the regulars in the bad bank, bad bank department, HSBC. Same one that was uh, fined a couple billion by the U.S. government a couple years ago for years and years of not paying attention to money laundering regulations and... Uh, Laundering money for narco-terrorists and folks like that. HSBC has admitted it's breaching a U.S. regulator's order to bolster its defenses against financial crime. There was an order agreed to in uh, October of 2010, almost six years ago now, 
with the U.S. Office of the Com- Comptroller of the Currency. Not a controller, a comptroller. The extra P is uh, which required the bank to establish an effective compliance risk management program across HSBC's U.S. businesses. How are they doing? Well, according to HSBC itself, HSBC Bank USA is not currently in compliance with the order. Steps are being taken to address the requirements of the orders, it said. Yeah, that sound you hear is the sound of the steps. In February, the bank had revealed an official monitor it installed after that fine over money laundering. That monitor had raised, quote, significant concerns, unquote, about the slow pace of changes to its procedures to combat financial crime. Quote, through his country-level reviews, the monitor identified potential anti-money laundering and sanctions compliance issues that the Department of Justice and HSBC are reviewing further. It's cozy when you get to review your non-compliance with the prosecuting, who, who, the, the, who would normally be a prosecuting office. It, it is. It's, it's good treatment for bad banks. Hello, welcome to the show. Bora, 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 bora,
From New Orleans, Louisiana, just off the shores of Lake Pontchartrain, I'm Harry Shearer welcoming you to this edition of the show. You may, ladies and gentlemen, have read, read. you may have seen the uh, Olympic opening ceremony. Uh, it, it was the thing that came between the commercials on NBC. And uh, you may have seen that uh, the ceremony concluded, well, the, the ceremony, then there was a parade of nations, always good. The ceremony concluded with a um, little plea about, um, you know, the earth. I don't think the folks at NBC uh, gave you this little bit of perspective. But that's why I'm not at NBC. Trees covering an area more than seven times the territory of New York City were cleared in the Brazilian Amazon over the year ending uh, December of 2015. In, the, in, in that past year, in that preceding year, which would be basically most of 2015, a bit of the end of 2014, if you're keeping score. This is a major setback. This was a major setback for government efforts, Brazilian government efforts, to combat deforestation. The grim statistics from Brazil's Environment Ministry underscore the growing climate threat posed by deforestation. Satellite data revealed 5,831 square kilometers. Get your calculators out or phones, of land was cut down or burned in the Brazilian Amazon, a 16% increase in the destruction over the previous 12 months. Second, acceleration of deforestation, if you want to use two of those rhyming words in one phrase, in three years following almost a decade of impressive declines. That suggests the state's efforts, which include high-tech monitoring, stiffer financial penalties, and boots on the ground, are having a diminishing impact. It's hard to get people to dance that, though, I guess. Speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, on a one-hour tape delay for your convenience, News of the Olympic Movement, produced by Jim Ebersole, Jr., More that Bob Costas won't tell you, I guess. The World Anti-Doping Agency described Brazil's decision to stop testing its Olympic team in the build-up to the Olympics as unacceptable. The host nation's anti-doping agency was asked to halt its work by Brazil's sports ministry for most of July. That prompted WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, to write to the Brazilian authorities demanding to know why the testing had halted. The Montreal-based agency was, quote, very concerned to learn that the second largest team at the Games was not being properly monitored at such a, quote, crucial time, unquote. Quote, the response WADA received was unsatisfactory. The situation was unacceptable, unquote. The spokesman, we informed the IOC and immediately requested they up the number of tests by the pre-Olympic Games task force in order to prevent any further gaps in the process. That's what you don't want in your process is your gaps. At a time when the integrity of sport is on the line, it's vital that effective rigorous testing is in place across the world, said WADA. Brazil's Ministry of Sport claims testing was only stopped between July 1st and July 24 because WADA had suspended Rio's anti-doping laboratory and the nearest accredited laboratories in Colombia, 
Cuba and Mexico were unable to help. But a senior official from Brazil's anti-doping agency told the Times of London that he left the organization because the sports ministry was asking him and his colleagues to do fewer tests. Those comments have been categorically rejected by the Brazilian sports ministry. WADA is investigating the matter. As you know, the Olympics is reeling from debate about the Russian doping scandal. But Donald Trump will take care of that. More than 400 million pounds diverted from supporting communities in need across Britain to help fund the 2012 Olympics has yet to be returned. The shortfall has raised questions about the game's legacy, according to the Guardian newspaper. There are calls for the new mayor of London and the prime minister to ensure the cash taken from the big lottery fund, which makes small grants to local charities, is paid back. The previous mayor of London, now Britain's foreign secretary, Boris Johnson, stated that a key legacy aim of the London Games was the convergence in life chances and prosperity between East and West London. But charities say the failure to return the lottery cash has undermined this commitment. Don't expect to see moments from the Rio Olympics immortalized in GIFs this year. News organizations are barred from making GIFs and vines of the Olympics, according to the rules of the International Olympic Committee. The rule is meant to protect broadcasters that shelled out billions for the exclusive rights to air the games and produce coverage of them. Worried that audiences won't tune in for official Olympic broadcasts if they could get the footage elsewhere at their beck and call, the committee also forbids news organizations from broadcasting Olympic media on video on demand platforms and on any interactive services that aren't part of a news program. It's called promotion in the 21st century. Rio de Janeiro's air is dirtier and deadlier than portrayed by authorities, says the British newspaper The Independent, and the Olympics' promised legacy of cleaner winds has not remotely been met, an analysis of government data and Reuters' own testing found. Brazil declared in its official bid that Rio's air quality was within World Health Organization limits. That was not true when we won the right to host the Games, and it is not True now, Rio for years has surpassed WHO limits for the most dangerous pollutant, particulate matter, spewed from millions of vehicles clogging the city's roads. The Olympics! Don't breathe while you're there. It's a movement, and we all need one. Every day. You can exhale. Just don't inhale. Uh, A brief news item. About, about our friend the Adam, ladies and gentlemen. As if there were not already enough reasons to worry about climate change, you can add another to your list. Toxic nuclear seepage. Sounds like something they advertise a cure for on the news, but no. Back in the Cold War, a lot of U.S. defense in, uh, strategy came down to placing nuclear weapons within a few minutes' striking distance of Soviet cities and bases. This is a report from Business Insider before they let all their staff go. That led the military to consider some bizarre real estate for its silos, but one more feasible project explored the possibility of embedding ballistic missiles within Greenland's ice sheet. In 1959, your friends and mine, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers set up Camp Century, a network of tunnels underneath Greenland's frozen surface. By 1962, the site was a full-time hub for Project Iceworm, a plan to establish a subsurface railway servicing <laughs> servicing 600 buried ballistic missiles. At any given time, between 85 and 200 soldiers lived and worked 
in the Arctic base, a nuclear reactor powered the site. Of course. When the Army abandoned Camp Century in 1967, it left behind, what do you think? Waste, some of it radioactive, beneath the ice. Assuming that barren northwestern Greenland would lie frozen forever, didn't seem worth the effort and expense to haul it all away. A new paper in the journal Geophysical Research Letters show, you know, maybe they got that a little bit wrong, kind of, a little bit on the... Uh, on the uh, not quite uh, nailed on the head kind of t- variety of uh, prediction. The pace of climate change in the Arctic, you see, has far exceeded that in the rest of the world. The researchers found that meltwater around Camp Century exceeds the annual freeze, meaning eventually all that waste will end up exposed. It could happen within just 88 years of melting at the current rate. The question is whether it's going to come out in hundreds of years, in thousands of years, or in tens of thousands of years, according to a University of Colorado climate scientist who did not work on the study. This stuff was going to come out anyway. Thank you. But what climate change was press the gas pedal to the floor and say, it's going to come out a lot faster than you thought. That's right. It's talking climate change. Well, it's ventriloquized climate change, but it's climate change's lips never move. An inventory of waste at the base found that in addition to the nuclear material at the site, like that's not enough, building materials, oil, and years' worth of gray water, sewage, you know, like they're going to be sailing in in Rio, pose a significant environmental hazard. Let's have the Olympics in Greenland! And it's still unclear whether the U.S. or Denmark, the country that controls Greenland, will take responsibility for handling the problem. I vote Denmark! 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 It's not doesn't have quite the rhythm that we'd like. And we chant, but there you go. Uh, clean, cheap, safe. And, you know, we can take care of it forever because it's our friend, the Adam. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the godly. And there's plenty of it this week. Plenty, plenty godly. Uh, First of all, a mother who's an Anglican priest says her church showed no compassion once she reported her son had been abused by a man training to be a priest. The woman, using the pseudonym CKR, I had that for my, no, I didn't have it for my heart, said Bruce Hoare, archdeacon in charge of ordinations at Morpeth College near Maitland, New South Wales, Australia, laughed when she told him a 28-year-old theology student had given her 13-year-old son a wind-up figurine of a man thrusting his member into a sheep. And she said Bishop Roger Herft, now Archbishop of Perth, berated her when she complained the diocese had not recorded her son's sex assault complaint complaint against the trainee priest. This is this long-going Australian Royal Commission on historic sexual abuse in churches of young people. Um, Her son, CKU, said he reported to police in 2002 about being groomed, shown pornography, molested, and hounded by a uh, another priest who was jailed for two years in 2005, but not because of this son's complaint. Um, the Archbishop Hoare, who uh, com- laughed when she complained about the offensive toy, was uh, later defrocked for having group sex with a teenage boy. 
She said he didn't seem to find the toy offensive and only changed his demeanor when she expressed her revulsion at the toy. But there'll be uh, so much more of that coming from Australia. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, something new under the sun. Well, not really under the sun. Under the, under the uh, moon, more likely. The Catholic Archbishop of Dublin in Ireland has confirmed that there's a boycott of Ireland's main seminary amid allegations that trainee priests there are using the gay dating app Grinder. Dr. Jarmid Martin, the most senior Catholic in Ireland, said he was unhappy about a growing atmosphere at St. Patrick's College in Maynooth that had been exposed through anonymous accusations in letters and online blogs. The uh, assertion that the well, students in the seminary have been using the gay dating app, it would be inappropriate for seminarians, not just because they're trained to be celibate priests, because an app like that is something that would be promoting and fostering promiscuous sexuality, which is certainly not in any way the mature vision of sexuality one would expect a priest to understand. That's according to Dr. Jarmid Martin, the senior Catholic in Ireland. He said he decided to send student priests to Rome amid further allegations that whistleblowers trying to bring claimed wrongdoing to the attention of the authorities were being dismissed from the seminary. You take your whistle and go. He says a whole series of anonymous allegations are being circulated about goings-on at the seminary. It's impossible to fairly investigate and carry out due process while those making claims remained anonymous, he says. He said efforts to recruit an independent party to deal with complaints from whistleblowers were met with, quote, simply more anonymous letters. He also criticized the comfortable regime at the seminary, said the people have their breakfast, dinner, and tea served up to them. Maynooth was built to train 500 Catholic priests every year. Numbers have dwindled to about 60 in recent years following a fall in vocations. That was a, one you heard just falling right there. A priest in Northern Ireland, known for his anti-gay sermons, has taken a leave of absence after he was caught having a profile on the gay dating app Grinder. The church learned about the behavior of Father Rory Coyle of Armagh. When an unnamed man, there's these anonymous people again, contacted a local Catholic newspaper and revealed he'd sexted with the priest more than once. He spoke to me on Grinder a few times and kept wanting to come to my mum's house for sex with me while she was at work, said the whistleblower to a blog called Thinking Catholicism. He sent me lots of naked pics of himself, too. I sent them to a journalist, along with the screenshots of his sex chat. Father Rory Coyle admitted he had participated in orgies, gone to gay beaches, and rented rooms by the hour for trysts. His profiles included identifiable photos, even his cell phone number, but he didn't mention he was a priest, merely a lecturer. Soon after the screenshots were sent to a newspaper, Coyle's Grinder account and his Facebook page were deactivated. Father Rory Coyle asked Archbishop Eamon Martin for time off to obtain personal and spiritual support, said a spokesman for the Archdiocese. And then he asked the Archbishop to extend his leave so he could engage in a period of personal discernment and receive further help. We all need a period of personal discernment every now and then, don't you think? And, no, not through yet, an Italian Catholic priest has been arrested on charges of having sex with teenage boys he met 
through the day, gay dating app Grinder, And a bishop is accused of abetting him. This is from late last year. Antonello Troppia, a priest in the town of Messignati in southern Italy, was arrested after a two-month investigation. Police suspicions were raised after officers found Troppia in a car in a secluded spot with a teenager, and the priest not only said he was a physical education teacher, but had suspicious objects in his rucksack, according to Agence France Presse. It did not say what the suspicious objects were. So we're left to our own suspicions, apparently. Police allege that Tropea was picking up teenagers on Grinder using the name Nicola, the name of the patron saint of his parish, and having sex with them in his car or at his rectory. At his rectory, ladies and gentlemen. A prosecutor has accused his supervisor of failing to investigate reports of Tropea's activities. So, yes... We've discovered a new thing. Priests on Grinder. Men cut from a different cloth. Sadder, wiser, kinder. Confessionals, a closet. We are the priests on Grinder.
classic, not in a cow. Silent prince in a small town scene, always pious, really clean. Intimate shots.
on a one-hour tape delay, so the program is just about to start. This is the show, and uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? It's copy the uh, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Award-winning news of the warm. Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen. Leading climate scientists have warned that the Earth is perilously... The Earth, that's our planet, just to remind you. Perilously close to breaking through a 1.5 degree centigrade Celsius, sorry. Upper limit for global warming only eight months after the target was set. The decision to try to limit warming to 1.5 degrees, measured in relation to pre-industrial temperatures, was the headline outcome of the Paris climate negotiations way back last December. The talks were held as a major success by scientists and campaigners. However, figures based on British Meteorological Office data prepared by meteorologist Ed Hawkins of Reading University show that average global temperatures were already more than one degree Celsius above pre-industrial levels for every month except one over the past year, peaking at 1.38 in February and March. Keeping within the 1.5 limit will be extremely difficult, say scientists, given these rises, according to The Guardian. Earlier snowmelt periods associated with a warming climate may hinder forest regulation of atmospheric carbon dioxide. That's according to the results of a new study from the University of Colorado at Boulder. Boulder, I hardly know her. The findings, which were recently published in the journal Geophysical Research Letters, predict this shift in the timing of the snowmelt could result in a 45% reduction of snowmelt period forest carbon uptake by mid-century. You, is that at all clear to you what what that's talking about? It is. Um, I'll, well, a separate study. We'll get into it. A separate study published in Geophysical Research Letters found that earlier slower snowmelt reduces the amount of stream flow, a phenomenon with potentially drastic consequences for agriculture, municipal water supplies, and recreational opportunities, in uh, particularly the western United States. Forests located in seasonally snow-covered areas are a key terrestrial carbon sink thanks to the natural photosynthetic processes by which trees uptake carbon. It's restrained during winter but re- increases to peak capacity in spring when snowmelt increases the water input of the trees. Uh, researchers studied 15 years' worth of snowmelt and CO2 data to study the effects of snowmelt periods. The research found that earlier snowmelt periods triggered by climate change align with colder air temperatures reducing the forest's ability to take CO2 out of the atmosphere. Counterintuitively, warming, say the uh, researchers, warming generally causes snow to melt during colder periods of the seasonal temperature cycle due to the effects that warming has on reducing the depth of snowpacks. So that causes melt to begin earlier in the year when it's still colder. The colder temperatures associated with early melt reduce the tree's ability to take up carbon during that period, a key period for seasonal carbon uptake. It's like trying to explain, Mr. Science trying to explain the miracle of gas refrigeration, but there it is. While tropical forests continue to decline, a remarkable change is happening. Tree cover on agricultural land has increased across the globe. This would be in the good news file, capturing nearly three-quarters of a gigaton of carbon dioxide every year. A new study provides insights into the patterns of this tremendous change at global, regional, and national scales. Agriculture and land use change account for 24% of 
of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. A recent study has shown that the potential to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from crop and livestock production is limited, but large forest areas in the tropics are still being converted into agricultural land. So agricultural practices that can significantly reduce carbon emissions are in high demand. Trees on agricultural lands, known as agroforestry, forestry systems have the potential to contribute to climate change mitigation while improving livelihoods and incomes and providing ecosystem services at the same time. The World Bank estimates globally a billion point two people depend on agroforestry farming systems, especially in developing countries. However, trees on agricultural lands are not considered in the greenhouse gas accounting framework of the International Panel on Climate Change, so things may be a little better than we think. Don't know. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. So, yes, to the uh, this week's political campaign, such as it is, I'm I'm with the majority. I um, I like them both. Um, so let's see. Hillary Clinton ended the week. Well, started the week with the uh, the bizarre conversation with Chris Wallace on Fox News, and ended up with her explanation in front of a, a black journalist's uh, conference that uh, she had short circuited the conversation. That's smart usage of words. Um, Donald Trump started the week. Uh, having a fight with uh, the family of a dead soldier, <laughs> always good. That's that's always politically wise. And then doubled down by uh, having a, um, a a couple of speeches where he insisted he had seen with his own eyes video of the uh, L- American plane landing with the cash to pay the Iranians to release four hostages. Now it is true, cash did and and not dollars had to be euros and other foreign currencies because of the law. But uh, still, the time-honored American tradition honed during the coalition provisional authority days in Iraq and during uh, Hamid Karzai's days in Afghanistan, a jet plane full of loot solves it all. Um, After insisting for two days that he'd seen the footage on Fox News, Trump tweeted on Friday that 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 was a different plane. That was the plane with the hostages in Switzerland, not the plane arriving with the money in Iran. Uh, He didn't say this, but obviously his excuse was that he'd been watching Fox News with the sound turned off. So he's not as dumb as you think. Uh, In all of this, though, some some, uh, national forgetting about another controversy that uh, erupted earlier this week, the aforementioned Rudy Giuliani and Newt Gingrich, along with Reince Priebus, the Republican national chairman, were reported to be proposing that they stage an intervention with Donald Trump to get him back kind of on the more traditional political candidate path of like not ticking off parents of a dead soldier. Uh, As those reports surfaced, Rudy Giuliani got shrill again and said that that was Newt's idea. That wasn't my idea. Then it turned out Maybe it didn't happen after all. But uh, today on one of the political yak shows, Newt Gingrich was appearing to uh, praise Trump for being a little less wacky toward the end of the week and saying that he thought Trump had got the message. Which message? Uh, Hello, Donald. It's uh, Newt Gingrich. 
the Republican House Speaker you actually really like. I, I know you're out doing rallies, so let me just leave this uh, short message in the hope that you get it before you uh, <clears throat> do another rally. First of all, those stories about Rudy Giuliani and, and uh, I and, and Wright's wanting to stage an intervention with you are obscenely bogus and bizarrely undersourced. It is true uh, that all of us have had and have continuing to have had uh, discussions about the state of this amazing campaign, but that doesn't make us any different from the people in the media who are having those discussions every hour of the day and light, night, uh, but suddenly when uh, uh, distinguished political figures have them, it's it's supposedly news. Well, as you know, and as I said so many times, we're up against an implacable media apparatus in this country. To be fair, I don't think you've actually used the word implacable, but that's that's beside the point. Additionally, the fact that Mayor Giuliani accused me of being the one who started the, this intervention uh, rumor is so bald-facedly fallacious that I would personally want to check to see if in honor of our fact-checking friends, Mr. Giuliani's gangland name might be Rudy Forpinocchio's. Of course, I'm joking. You and I know that when we indulge in sarcasm, so many defenders of the status quo like to act as if we're uh, deprived of a sense of humor and engaged in serious assertion. Obviously, Rudy has no more connection to organized crime than, uh, say, uh, you do. But and let me just say this, and I think you know this to be a fact. There is no way for the people at Fox News would have uh, welcomed me back as a paid contributor, which they did only three weeks after releasing me from my broadcasting obligations, if I was engaged and something as nefarious as what the good mayor suggests. So let's just leave that to one side and move on. Before this machine hangs up on me, which, to be profoundly honest, I'm beginning to suspect it's programmed not to do, but in the time I have, Donald, let me just say, mono to mono, as you've often said to me, and without any suggestion that Rudy or Ranch or anyone else is involved in this, I'm begging and imploring you to bring some semblance of control and discipline to what is already, as I've said earlier in this message, is an amazing campaign. But as you and I both know, I think we, we shared a thought about this in, at one of your pageants, there's, there's definitely more than one way to be amazing. What I'm advocating is the more disciplined and laser-focused kind of amazing as opposed to the uh, spontaneous and scattershot amazing, which I fear, and I know I'm not the only senior Republican who feels this way, fear that it allows your opponent to just slide through news cycle after news cycle unscathed. Obviously, this isn't the kind of thing that can uh, persuade a man of your profoundly wide-ranging intellect and, and even an extended phone message. I'm sure you might have even clicked on the TV by now. So what I'm suggesting is a face-to-face -face discussion, just two of us, really, ideally, with a you know, few hours set aside and an embargo on interruptions so that... Uh, and I could run you through some of the uh, disciplines that it's taken me so much of my political life to master. And no, it's not an intervention. I have a sufficient grasp of your foreign policy ideas to know that you're not, uh, strictly speaking, an interventionist at all. So we could just call it a meeting, uh, a perfectly friendly, business-like get-together behind closed doors. And uh, no, Rudy and Reince don't need to be there unless you want them to be. Personally, uh, I'd wonder, given the history of leaking that's gone on regarding this matter. I'd wonder if more bodies in the room might lead to more leaking in the media. But of course, that would be your decision. And I'm supremely confident you'll make the right one. And I'm not blowing smoke up your hiney when I say that. I'm not blowing anything else up here either. In any case, good luck with the rallies. You have my number. Calissa sends Melania all her love. And uh, I'll be sitting here uh, hoping to hear from you soon. And uh, I'll be hanging up now.
And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Coca-Cola has issued an apology and took off its brutally refreshing hashtag advertising campaign for Sprite. Yeah, Coke makes Sprite. After it sparked a major social media backlash, this was a backlash for its sexist and offensive manner. The drinks giant launched the campaign aimed primarily at a male audience earlier this year and claimed it was celebrating those with guts to tell it like it is. It included lines like, quote, she's seen more ceilings than Michelangelo, unquote. And a two at ten is a ten at two, quote, unquote. And other blatantly degrading digs at women. BBC reported some of the uh, problems with the campaign. A Coca-Cola spokesman told the BBC, we're sorry for any offense caused by the brutally refreshing Sprite campaign in Ireland. It was in Ireland. Which was intended to provide an edgy but humorous take on a range of situations. You know, Coke, humor, you put them together, don't you? Normally. Since its introduction in Ireland, Sprite has been associated with individuality and self-expression says the Coke statement. We've always been committed to ensuring we deliver the highest standard of advertising. We recognize that on this particular occasion, the content did not meet this standard, and we apologize. Yeah, when I think of Sprite, I think of self-expression. But that's just me. A New Zealand food group has apologized after using a joke from deceased comedian Mitch Hedberg to sell a product. One of Hedberg's most famous lines will be removed from a rice pudding package that credited the joke to the brand's namesake, Aunt Betty. The line is, rice is great if you're really hungry and want to eat 2,000 of something. It appeared on the packaging, prompting outrage from prominent comedians including Mark Maron and Doug Stanhope. Hedberg performed the joke at the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival. It's been viewed online over four million times. Aunt Betty's apologized for the use of the joke by the well-known and much-loved comedian, said it would no longer be used going forward. The message was accompanied by the hashtag, jokes aren't free. Hedberg died in 2007 of a drug overdose. Guam's Catholic Church has apologized to victims of a former priest who told local media on Thursday that it was, quote, possible, unquote, that he abused altar boys there in the 1950s. Archbishop Savio Han Tai Fai issued the statement of apology after Father Louis Briard, 95, told the media he regrets the abuses and was seeking forgiveness from his victims. Guam, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that priest who admitted to sexually abusing boys decades ago in Guam said he confessed his sins to other priests at the time. None told him to specifically stop. Instead, he said in an interview with the Associated Press, the other priest told him to do better and say some Hail Marys. Lizzie Armistead says she will hold her head high in Rio and hates dopers following criticism for missing three drug tests. The British world road cycling champion was suspended pending disciplinary action for missing the tests. She uh, successfully argued the first test should be declared void. She issued a two-page statement explaining the circumstances for each missed step, each missed test. I'm sorry for causing anyone to lose faith in sport. I'm an example of what hard work and dedication can achieve. I hate dopers and what they've done to the sport. An apology hidden in there somewhere. Some charter cable customers in North Texas are furious about a profane message that appeared on their televisions through the company's network. Keisha Smith said her 14-year-old daughter was first to see the offensive message at her home. When she called charter to complain, a company rep offered her a cash credit. 
Charter has no explanation, but issued the following statement. We are aware that an abhorrent message briefly appeared on some set-top boxes. We apologize profusely to any of our customers who were subjected to it, and we're working to understand the cause. Just, just a matter of time before that happens to your smart fridge, don't you think? I do. Not that smart, really, when you stop to think about it. Golden State Warriors and USA Basketball forward Draymond Green apologized for sending a picture of his male member on social media last week. After tweeting that his account was hacked, he said before team practice he intended the message on Snapchat to be private. It was a situation where it was meant to be a private message. I kind of hit the wrong button, and it sucks. It was meant to be private. We're all one click away from placing something in the wrong place, and I suffered from that this morning. I figured it out pretty quick, not quick enough. I thought I reacted pretty quick. I saw those screenshots, and then I didn't. Quick ain't quick enough in this world. He, uh, I apologize for the situation, he said. He did not say that he thought the picture was of LeBron James, male, male member. He was reaching for it. Dateline Rio Olympic organizers apologized to the spectators who endured delays accessing venues. On the first full day of competition, organizing committee spokesman Mario Andrada said Saturday measures were being taken to prevent a repeat of the long lines to enter parts of the Olympic Park by enhancing the entry system. Well, why didn't they think of that before? Oh, enhance the entry system. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, let's do that. We apologize to everyone who is standing in the sun in lines outside the venues, he said. Some of the procedures and some of the systems did not talk to each other, Andrade said. Addressing questions about official buses getting lost, Andrade said at a briefing, organizers would check if drivers had sufficient training. Maybe they're from Uber. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now quickly, news of uh, inspectors general. Deadline Kabul, Afghanistan's government lost control of or influence in nearly 5% of its territory in the first five months of this year, according to uh, Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. Kabul's control of districts dropped from 70% at the beginning of the year to 65% at the end of May as the Taliban made gains across the country. It is America's longest war. We might as well be losing it. A U.S. program to help the Afghan National Army become self-sufficient in maintaining transport vehicles failed to meet its basic contract requirements, the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction said. The five-year contract, originally valued at a fixed price of $182 million, was repeatedly modified. The price wasn't that fixed until the cost came in at $423 million. And as a result of Pentagon inaction in correcting the situation, The program will require investment of another billion over the next five years, he said. This is to try to train the National Army to uh, maintain the U.S. procured $6.5 billion vehicle fleet. That didn't uh, work out that well, according to the Inspector General. The contract performance metric did not adequately assess contractor performance or progress toward contract objectives. The... uh, Pentagon assumed the Afghan National Army was capable of performing higher-level maintenance tasks, even though it had ample evidence that such capabilities did not exist. News of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
And in more news of AFPAC, investigators for the United Nations found 48 child soldiers in Afghanistan last year, with more than half working for government-backed forces. But here's the thing. Child soldiers have to, they need less food. That's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. You send 440 cable system in Japan around the world through the uh, USN 440 cable network around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want at harryshare.com and kcsn.org, available via NPR Worldwide in Europe. Did I say that? Available on the Soho Radio in London. Around the world via the American Forces Network, available for your smartphone through stitcher.com and available as a free, free-of-charge podcast from side... Show Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, and WWNO.org. And it'd be just like me speeding up that announcement if you could agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and exile in Hawaii desks. Thanks as always. Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to be like my friend sitting right here, who he owns the Cars I Talk t-shirt. Why don't you? That's all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long. From New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh Uh-huh.